This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Candy. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Let's do this thing. All right. It's been a, a busy week for prospect news, both uh, for international tournaments, international teams, but also just kind of there, there's some NCAA stuff to talk about. There's some really good players overall to talk about. And let's talk about three players that are currently catching your eye. My favorite part of the podcast. Which players are you thinking about right now? Okay, so we'll start off with the U.S. NTDP. Uh, it's been a very fascinating year for the American Hot House program. You know, a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID protocols. So we've seen a lot of players take on sort of big roles at different times. And one player who I was just talking to a scout about the other day is Tyler Boucher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the son of former goalie Brian Boucher, but could not be more different of a player. Uh, <laughs> Tyler is a power forward um and what's interesting about him he's he's very unique in that it's hard to find players in that sort of tom wilson miles wood uh archetype and boucher fits that profile he just loves to like crush people out there and the the great quote from the scout was you know he has hurt himself while trying to hurt others uh so this will tell you how much boucher loves to uh, mix it up and obviously, there's not a lot of fighting, uh, you know, in the USHL. And Boucher is committed to Boston University. And obviously, there's not much fighting there. But I'm getting the impression that once he turns pro, we're going to see a guy that's going to drop the gloves, uh, either defending a teammate or because he laid somebody out and somebody else was defending an opposing teammate. Uh, also, 14 points in 14 games. So uh, a lot to like there from Tyler Boucher. Might be a late first rounder. The injuries might scare teams mm-hmm. away. So he might end up being a, an early second rounder. Um, you know, maybe in that sort of like Tyler Clevin, like a team needs, you know, a different look. So they go with a, a physical guy that they, that they believe in. Um, but definitely one to watch for top 40. So fun one there. Uh, sticking with the physical element of the game. Going to go with Corson Kuhlemans. From the Brooks Bandits, the uh, AJHL team, uh, for those unfamiliar, that's where Kale McCarr played. And Brooks has been an absolute juggernaut uh, probably in the past five, six years, I would say, at this point. I know, Stephen, you've, re- you've written about them uh, recently as well. Uh, but the AJHL is, uh, is back now. Uh, Kuhlman's has seven points in five games for the Bandits. Uh, he's a University of Wisconsin commit. And when I watch him play, I'm not a big comparison guy. I don't like doing it. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I see like a young Scott Stevens, a guy that you always have to know where he is on the ice. And what I will say is, you know, like Scott Stevens now. So the things that Scott Stevens did back in the 80s and 90s are obviously illegal now. Uh, Corson and Kuhlman's does them legally, you know, so he's, he's going to throw big hits. He's gonna I was going to say, you say he does what Scott Stevens does now. I don't think Scott Stevens does a lot of anything right now. He's not exactly playing in the NHL, but that's true. 
Um, but anyway, so yeah, Corson Kuhlman's, uh, you know, good defender. Um, obviously, you can put up some points as well. So two-way guy, very physical. I expect him to be, you know, probably like top 15, top 20 this year, just because it's, it's a very unique skill set. And he's, and he's on a really good development path. I think that's something that, you know, we, we don't necessarily always talk about is, you know, how these kids are being brought up to the pro level. So, you know, you look at Brooks and they have a pretty good track record of developing players recently. And then obviously the University of Wisconsin also has a very good track record of developing players. So if you're an NHL team and you're looking at Kuhlman's, you're saying, okay, well, he's in good hands now. He's going to be in good hands in college. That gives us a big leg up in his development. Uh, so Kuhlman's definitely one to watch there in the AJHL. Uh, finally, I'm going with a deep cut here, uh, but a player I'm very fascinated with, goaltender Ivan Zhigalov. Yes. Uh, he is from Belarus, and he played uh, three games with Dynamo Moscow's junior team uh, in Russia this year, had a 939 save percentage. And, you know, Dynamo Moscow, very good this year, but 939 save percentage is obviously quite good. Then he is sort of regular team, if you will, is – uh, Belarus's under 18 squad, which is kind of their NTDP, uh, something they've started in recent years. And they play against pro men uh, in the Belarus extra league. And Gigloff still has a 920 save percentage. And it's interesting because some of the other goalies in that uh, program have been getting bombed, uh, particularly late in the season when the games meant a lot for playoff jockeying amongst the other pro teams. But Gigloff, he did lose his last game, but it was only 2-1, and it was in overtime, and it was on a breakaway that, uh, you know, he got beat. And, I mean, you know, he was there, but the guy made a really nice move. Not a lot you can do there. Um, Belarus is in the top division of the World Under-18s this year, so they're playing with the big boys, Canada, Sweden, Russia, USA. I'm very fascinated to see how many starts Zhigalov gets because, um, you know, some of their old, other goaltenders, even though they're all the same age, have gotten more starts as a kid. Shaka that's gotten more starts, hasn't performed as well. I don't know what the, uh, you know, the logic is there. You know, maybe they see something. I have no idea. Uh, but I would love to see Zhigalov get some starts at the World Under-18s because I think, you know, at six foot three with uh, some pretty good athleticism, he is a very intriguing prospect to watch. That's the thing. He's got good size. And I, after you mentioned him to me a couple of weeks ago, I started watching a lot of his games. And like, this is a guy that um, he doesn't need to rely on his, his size. He's he's very athletic, uh, like you mentioned. Um He's also very calm in the net. He's not like you'll, you'll sometimes just see these goalies that who do rely a lot on their athleticism that are just kind of diving like me in NHL 21, just trying to dive and make every save. But in reality, it's uh, he's just really relaxed. He's not diving when he needs to. He's he's making he's a lot of fun to watch. Though he's an entertaining goalie, and um, it, it's funny. There, there's actually some elements of his game that remind me of Jesper Wallstedt. Just obviously not at the same level. One's the top goalie, and one's playing Belarus. But the right. uh, it, it's still like uh, you know what this guy is. He's he's calm in the net. He's he doesn't get out of position too much and i like to see that of a goalie so in it we, we did talk about the goaltenders last week and or two weeks ago and while this isn't like a super super ultra strong goalie draft it, it's still one that's actually a lot of fun to watch because there is good depth and this is a definitely good find yeah and it's going to be really interesting to see at the draft because just talking to scouts you know they're looking at russia 
and you know just how that uh, you know, that country's programs have developed netminders, and you kind of have to go dig it around sometimes because there can be some big you know jumps up in development. But it'll be very fun to see you know maybe some of those mid to late round picks. I think there's going to be a lot of scouts that kind of have a favorite that they've seen over in Russia, and you know you're just you're hoping you hit a jackpot, right? You're hoping you you get that late rounder that turns into like a Pekka Rene or someone of that ilk. And, you know, it really feels like over in Russia right now, um, there is that capability. And, well, he's not European, but uh, Dustin Wolf, Calgary Flames, seventh round pick is another recent example of a team that could really hit a gem in that we will definitely talk about him on a future episode because he is one of my favorite goalie prospects and one that I think almost was unfairly kind of screwed out of more starts of the World Juniors just because it was like one of the best goalies in the, the entire tournament getting beat out by the best goalie and one of the other best goalies in the tournament. It's like, it wasn't very fair. So, uh, and then it didn't work out for him, but let's move on to some of our other topics for today. Connor Bedard. Whoa. (laughs) He's having one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen in the CHL Uh, for, for reference, Connor McDavid uh, as a 15 year old has had 66 points in 63 games. If we use that same sample size and we, we, can't necessarily do that just solely because of the it's a shorter season but Bedard is looking at 63 goals and 113 points in that same run which whoa nearly double of what McDavid was able to do how good is this kid going to be we know he's going to be one of the top picks for sure at the 2023 NHL draft I know Matthew Mitchkoff might be like hey like don't forget about me and we did talk about him in the last episode so look that up if you want to hear our thoughts on him but Bedard right now just man he's unstoppable he really is and uh, the thing that gets me from watching his games particularly in the in his debut game is like he's getting a lot of these goals unassisted Mm -hmm. like he's literally doing it himself and you know Regina is rebuilding so they don't have a lot of scoring power right now and obviously they're going to to build around Bedard and I would also suspect that what we see sort of next year and even the year after is you know, they try to hit some home runs with their import picks where you could really get somebody to play with Bedard that can be, you know, sort of on his level or close to it, you know, in an older prospect. But, you know, the hands, the vision, the creativity, you know, I mean, he's pretty quick out there. He has all the elements. Right now he's, I think he's listed at 5'10". You know, he's in the 5'10", 5'9 range. Um, you know, obviously McDavid's a, a little bit bigger than that and and nobody skates like McDavid but you cannot ignore what Connor Bedard is doing because I mean it's really good competition that he's playing against and you know I suppose the x factor is this is a weird shortened season you know a lot of the players in the dub hadn't played real games in like 12 even 13 months Bedard uh, did get in some games with HV71's junior program uh, earlier this season, he went over to Sweden, so he did have a couple of reps, but it was a while ago. He was good. Um, he was good. Four points in the year. And he was good. Yeah. yeah, and he made some crazy moves there too. But I, I just feel like we shouldn't under, underestimate kids when they show this kind of promise because there will eventually be a next one. You know, like we had this conversation with Sidney Crosby, we had it with Connor McDavid, and you know, I'm sure if you look back, there will be people that say like oh, you can't say McDavid's going to be as good as Crosby or, oh, you can't say Crosby's going to be as good as, you know, 
Lindros or whoever you want to say before that, or Tavares or, you know, you know, Tavares is younger than uh, Crosby, you know, Oh, Tavares, is he really going to be the next big thing? Well, eventually these guys do turn out sometimes. I mean, McDavid became McDavid, Crosby became Crosby. I think Bedard is, is sort of on that level. And again, you know, that draft class is going to be really interesting because you got Mishkov. You also have Adam Fantilli mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, I just talked to a scout about him and he was like, he's a freak, like athletically. <laughs> I mean, he's incredible. You know, I mean, the size, the, the skating, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And he's already putting up points in, in the USHL despite being so young. So yeah, 2023 is going to be bonkers and I can't wait. The thing about top prospects is we, it's like when a player is so good, you do hear about him at an early age. And I believe it was uh, when he was 12 years old and the first, uh, when Ken wrote a story about Bedard being uh, like the star prospect with 12 years old, which I think so. I, I had him first. I interviewed oh, him first. Okay. At, uh, there you yeah. go. So, so you got him first. All right. So at uh, Joe Quinn's camp, at Joe but, Quinn's camp, which is always a fun time. Cause Aaron that's Pro. when. That's when we always yeah. get to see the fun prospects that are all like, oh my gosh, you got exactly. like an all-star of 14, 15, 16 year olds. And they're all going to be like superstars. It's going to be great. But, but yeah. the, the one thing that I was wondering is there was a topic on Twitter and I know Twitter could be a dangerous place when it comes to prospects, but uh, talking about um, like, if you were to look down the line, who's going to be the better prospect, Shane Wright, or Conor Bedard, and you, know, the, you got one who's the the likely number one pick for the 2022 draft, and one that's the likely number one pick for the 2023 draft. And you look at those two guys, and maybe it's just because we haven't seen Shane Wright play this year because the OHL hasn't been around, so we have to kind of rely on recency bias in this point. But it's like it's almost like the attention shifting to like I would rather pick Bedard over Wright, but. I don't know. It's like, there's still a chance, like uh, even with the new draft lottery rules, there's still a chance a team could end up with both of them in the draft, which would be absolutely stupid. But like, just, yeah, I I guess, is it too early to really see which one might be the one with the most potential? Yeah. And, and, you know, again, like when you think about NHL potential, like Shane Wright is a bit bigger. um, And I almost wonder if he's going to be like a Nathan McKinnon type. Like he's, you know, he's already strong and powerful and, and obviously, you know, CHL rookie of the year led the Kingston Frontenacs in scoring, you know, elevated the games of Zade Wisdom and Martin Chromiak as line mates. And both of those players are really good. Mm -hmm. You know, Zade Wisdom has been lighting up the AHL uh, as a teenager, which is very impressive. Um, Whereas, you know, Bedard, it's more like pure skill right now, but I mean, we've got years Mm -hmm. before we need to sort of have a referendum on this. And I would say, you know, just enjoy it. Like if your team gets either of them, like they are game changing players. Like if you are in a rebuild and you are missing that key cornerstone piece, Shane Wright can be that piece. Connor Bedard can be that piece. And I think that's very exciting. And, and I know there'll be some people that are saying like, oh, we hear this every year, a game-changing piece as well. Like if you get the first overall pick, the odds are that player's going to be pretty solid. But it, we're talking like 2022, 2023 is like, you're getting like, a franchise changer. And also I do feel bad for people at West that didn't kind of get to see what a full season of Connor Bedard, Riley High, and Braden Yeager, like they're not going to get the full, like, like slate of games they possibly could have got out of these guys in their junior careers. And that was a really damn strong WHL draft. So um, yeah. However, there is the benefit because Yeager and height did not get exceptional status. So in a, in a normal season, 
they wouldn't be playing in the WHL mm-hmm. right now. Like maybe they, in a normal season, they might've gotten sort of five, six games and then they would have gone back to uh, Saskatoon. But Jaeger, because he's got no team to go back to, he's been with Moose Jaw and he's looked really good too. Height, you know, his season hasn't quite started yet because he's out in BC, but uh, you know, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down for the number two overall pick in the WHL draft. It's just so much fun. That draft was so good. And it's, uh, Again, it's too bad that uh, everything's kind of on, gone on, but you do bring up a good point there. Now, let's talk about a tournament. The NCAA, essentially, they call it a tournament. It's not, it's not March Madness, but it all leads down to the Frozen Four. Let's talk about some of the top prospects to watch. So who are the guys keeping, or that you're keeping an eye on specifically? Well, it's going to be a very fun tournament because you've got some marquee programs in there and a, a lot of very good prospects this year. So I'll start off with the number one seed, North Dakota. Um, you know, the Fighting Hawks have a, a ton of talent, but I'll, I'll just sort of mention two because we got a lot of players to go through. Uh, Shane Pinto, um, you know, amazing two-way center, you know, defensive forward of the year in the conference and, you know, put up a ton of points. Uh, he's an Ottawa Senators prospect and uh, he will be joined by his fellow Senators prospect, Jake Sanderson, who obviously very high pick in 2020. He's a defenseman. You know, he has really improved as his freshman season has gone on. And, you know, I know some college observers have said, you know, he's been one of their best players of late. So you've got that one-two punch with North Dakota, um, you know, in the Ottawa system, one center, one defenseman. And, you know, I I expect the Fighting Hawks are going to go pretty far. So it'll be good exposure for those two. Uh, And then, of course, Michigan, Uh, who's been sort of up and down this year, but they have so much great young potential. And, you know, I have to start with the triumvirate of 2021 draft prospects, Owen Power, Mm -hmm. uh, the great big defender who is likely going to go first overall at this point. Check out hockeynews.com for an article about him today. There you go. Steven was on top of that. Yeah. Uh, they got Maddie Beniers, who was so good for Team USA at the World Juniors en route to gold. You know, he's that amazing two-way center. Um, and then you got Kent Johnson, just a very dynamic uh, center slash winger at this point, uh, who's just so talented and, you know, I would say aggressive in an offensive sense. You know, he's not like a big physical guy, but, you know, he really sort of pushes uh, defenders with his moves. Uh, So, you know, all three of them, I expect are going to go top 10. Uh, There's even the possibility they could even all go top five, depending on how things shake out. Uh, Although I think it's probably going to be more kind of like top six or seven uh, when all is said and done. Uh, And then on top of that, Michigan has Cam York. They have Thomas Bortolo. They have Brendan Brisson. Like it's just sort of a wealth of prospects. And, you know, if they can put it together, I think they can make a pretty good run, but it's going to be very difficult. They're not in a fun bracket. Uh, so you might have to enjoy them early on. Uh, next, uh, another Big Ten team, the Wisconsin Badgers. And, um, you know, Cole Coffee, what can you say? Leading scorer in the nation, Montreal Canadiens prospect. You know, I mean, he can score a goal if you give him like a two-inch window uh, in that net. He will find it. He is a fantastic sniper. And he'll be crucial to the Badgers attack, as will Dylan Holloway, the Edmonton Oilers first rounder, who has had a very nice season, uh, you know, went to the World Juniors with Canada, so it was kind of interrupted there, but uh, he's put up a ton of points while he's been in the lineup for the Badgers. He gives him speed, he gives him size, so a couple of good players from Wisconsin to uh, look at there. Heading over to Boston College, 
another team that really wants to do damage here. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in the right window for this. They're not too young, uh, and they still have a lot of elite talent. So you got Alex Newhook, the Colorado Avalanche pick, uh, fantastic center, so talented, uh, plays a good two-way game. You got Matt Boldy, the Minnesota Wild first rounder, who, you know, I, I mean, he's been great. You know, I would say like, you know, the first half of his freshman year, he kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. Second half, he found his game. And, you know, in his sophomore year, he's been excellent. He was great to miss at the World Juniors. Uh, so Boldy, obviously, continuing on the ascent. And then, of course, in net, you have Spencer Knight, uh, who Stephen alluded to earlier in the podcast, you know, best goalie at the world juniors uh, overall sort of won that duel at the end against Devin Levi of Canada, uh, Spencer Knight, you know, Florida Panthers prospect, big poise, athletic. He's just everything you want in a goaltender. And, you know, for me, that's a big thing in this tournament is, you know, do you have the goaltending? Cause you, you might have to ha- have your net minder steal a game along the way. Uh, Boston college has it. Cause they got Spencer Knight. Um, and then St. Cloud state, uh, they have VT Mietinen, who has been an amazing freshman. Mm-hmm. Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs pick, obviously, out of Finland. Uh, he has really paced the Huskies, and it'll be fun to see what he can do in his Frozen Four because the last time the Huskies were in the tournament, they got upset in the first round by American International. So they're going to want some revenge there, and it'll be fun to see if they can do it. And uh, finally, I'm going to talk about Boston University, Another team that, you know, they didn't actually play a ton of games this year because of COVID protocols, uh, particularly early. There was a lot of sort of just the campus in general. Um, so they only played 15 games. So to me, they're a bit of a wild card. Uh, but they have David Ference, the Nashville pick, who, you know, offensive defenseman has just been ringing up the points this year for the Terriers. And, uh, you know, this might be his this will probably be his last kick of the can. So, you know, he's going to want to you know, go for it all. And then you got Alex Vlasic, the Chicago Blackhawks pick, big defenseman. Um, but he has really unlocked his offensive side. And I, I think we were talking about him the other week on the podcast as well. Um, you know, to me, he has been one of the like most pleasant surprises, just the way he's elevated his game this season at, at BU. And finally, you know, again, speaking about goaltenders, Drew Camesso, the Chicago Blackhawks pick, uh, the goaltender for the Terriers is really coming on strong as a freshman. And again, you know, if he can steal them a game or two, then all of a sudden you got that confidence and it's not that long a tournament. Uh, goaltending can make a big difference. And uh, so I think, you know, Camesso will be one to watch, but because if he can stay in gear, then the Terriers are going to be a, a pretty tough out. If you had a hundred million dollars, I don't know if you do or not, but if you had a hundred million dollars and you had to pick one team to go all the way here, what's your pick? You know what? If I, I, I just, I kind of have a hunch and uh, I mean, it's not like completely out of left field cause they're a pretty high seed. Um, I feel like this is the year for the university of Minnesota golden gophers. Mm. Yeah. So goaltending check Mark, they Got get it. Jack LaFontaine who you and I are familiar with from his OJHL days uh, with the Georgetown Raiders. Um, you know, he's got a ton of experience and, you know, he's gone through a lot of adversity in his career. It started off with the Michigan Wolverines and, you know, transferred, uh, played a year in Penticton, the BCHL. 
and he's been great for the Gophers. So they've got the goaltender. And then you look at the defense core, you know, Brock Faber, Ryan Johnson, Jackson Lacombe, like they have a lot of guys back there that really fit well together and bring offense from the blue line, bring a lot of mobility. So I like what they got there. And then up front, you've got some veteran guys. You got some big guys. You got Sammy Walker, the Tampa Bay pick. You got Sampo Ranta, the Colorado pick. You know, you got Blake McLaughlin, the, the Anaheim pick. Um, or McLaughlin, I think it might be. Um, but anyways, they roll deep. And Minnesota hasn't won the national championship in, I believe, 17 years. And that does not sit well in gopher country. So uh, I think even though North Dakota is the number one seed, and I, I, I think it's going to be a North Dakota-Minnesota final, I think the gophers, I, I feel it might be their year. All right. So if you have $100 million to bet, make sure you listen to exactly what Ryan said. Um, I do not recommend putting $100 million down on a college hockey game. I'm not even sure if you can. <laughs> That's even the Bitcoin. Thing. If you have $100 million worth of Bitcoin, oh my gosh. Wow. Can, can I have some? But that'd be really nice. It's funny. I, I remember when Bitcoin first came out, I'm like, I should invest in this. Wait a minute. I'm like 12. That's not a good <laughs> idea. Uh, I'd be really rich right now if I was. Uh, all right, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Team Canada. Andre Turgny is going to be their coach for a lot of different things, uh, different levels for Hockey Canada. And we see this for like teams like United States, Russia, Sweden, where look, have a coach that sticks around and is involved in a lot of aspects of the national team. And that's really good for uh, the development side of things. But then he, he kind of gets the chance to act as a scout too, which is very good for when you're picking the world junior team or when you're dealing with things like that. So what type of impact do you see him have? I know he's of all of team Canada, the coaches, he's always one of the most fun ones to talk to because he's just so like laid back, but he'll, he'll be sarcastic. He'll be fun. Uh, he won't be snarky. He, he's got that, the, the fun side about him. So, so what type of impact do you think he'll bring to hockey Canada? Well, I love this move and you're right. You know, Turini, he's a great coach. He's great to deal with. But then, you know, you look at his uh, history with the Ottawa 67s and he really gets players to play the right way. And, you know, the 67s have been really good at developing players and finding talent. And, you know, I mean, shout out to GM James Boyd as well. He's mm -hmm. done a great job getting guys like Marco Rossi and, you know, finding Jack Quinn, you know, two first rounders from 2020. Uh, and they've had a ton of guys before that as well. But, you know, what I like about Tourney is that, you know, he is really dialed in with his teams. And we saw that with Canada at the World Juniors this year. Yeah, they lost in the gold medal game, but they lost to an incredible American squad that was also well coached by Nate Lehman. Um, I mean, that was a toss up game, right? You know, if you play 10 times, I'm sure each team wins five. So I don't, you know, I don't worry about that at all. Uh, Tourney, it, it gives Team Canada some consistency. And, you know, We've seen in the past, I would say decade or so, that Canada has really locked on to a certain way of playing internationally that's been very successful, where it's puck possession hockey, really fast, pushing the pace. And, you know, we saw at the World Cup of Hockey, where obviously they were pretty dominant. And, you know, at the Olympics, when there was NHLers, they were dominant. And we've seen that from some of the world junior teams as well. So for Tourini, you know, I, it just it allows him to concentrate on a particular style and, and, you know, get different experiences. You know, he's going to be at the world championship. He's going to be at the Olympics as an assistant. Uh, and then at the next world championship, I believe he's going to be the head coach. So, 
not only is he going to be the head coach of the world juniors next year, but he's got all these other different experiences and, you know, the ability to just bounce ideas off the different coaches that will be coming in as either his head coach or his assistant coach, I think is very valuable. And, you know, working with guys like Alan Millar, uh, who's now with hockey Canada, uh, sort of full-time, uh, I, I think that's going to be very, uh, good for just the overall landscape of Canadian international hockey. Like that's the thing for, for Canada's national team. Obviously, they're strong at pretty much any level they participate in, but it always takes them a little bit to kind of figure out what they're doing. They're the coach that's focused on other things, all of a sudden getting thrown in and say, boo, do this, come on, right now. And, and that's that's not easy. You know, this year was an even tougher challenge for the World Juniors because you had that you – know, it was supposed to be a month long in training camp, and then they lost two weeks, and then they're like, well, we got to cut players that we haven't even seen play at this point or seen very little of, and it's like none of that was easy but this is a guy that that clearly hockey Canada really likes that, that they're putting in a role like this, but it, it's not just working with the young players at the world juniors, uh, but you're working on the men's side of things. And, and you know, he's the, his bread and butter has been junior hockey and, and finding those guys. But now the fact that they're willing to, to put him there on the, both the Olympics and world championship side on uh, with that, that's big because you don't typically see that you like the, the, Often the coach that you see at the world championship is a coach that's uh, well, pretty much every time is a coach that's uh, coaching a team that either isn't in the playoffs or they they don't have a job at all. So they've kind of got that, and now you've got someone who could stick around for all these teams that could maybe evaluate those players from the world championship for the Olympics. So it is something I kind of hope we do see kind of long term and that stability. Yeah, I agree, and you know we've seen it with other. Uh, programs you know Roger Ronberg was doing it with Sweden and now you know Thomas Monton is the the full-time head coach of the the under 20 team obviously Valerie Bragan for years was always the Russian world junior coach and Russia had a great amount of consistency I mean they won a lot of medals during that time they weren't always gold they were always in the mix and you always knew what the Russian team was going to be like they were going to be a veteran world junior squad um, in terms of like heavy on 19 year olds, you know, they were going to be very defensively sound and sort of built from, from the back out. And, and it really worked for them. They, they were pretty much always on the podium up until recently. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Bragan and the, the Russian brain trust to say, let's have some consistency here. All right, so I'm excited to see what happens here with Team Canada. Now we're going south of the border once again to, well, Talk about Luke Hughes. I uh, meant to talk about him earlier. I completely missed that. My apologies. But uh, he's out for the year. And will this hurt his draft standing, do you, do you think? And I'm going to go off and say no, I don't, because he still played a lot of games this year. And we know he's been one of the top prospects for this draft for quite a bit. So I don't think this is going to hurt him too much. But what are your thoughts there? I agree with you. I think that you know Luke Hughes has already shown uh, everything that we need to see from him as a prospect and yeah, it's too bad. He won't be at the, the world under 18s. He won't be at the all American prospects game, uh, but he's already played way more games than anybody in the WHL is going to get to play this year or the OHL for that matter. You know, we have a pretty big book on him and scouts already know, you know, what, what you're getting in Luke Hughes. If anything, if there's any kind of silver lining in this, I mean, it's not for Luke Hughes, but for you know, a couple of the other guys on the NTDP, it allows them to maybe step up. So you know, Sean Barron's already kind of a favorite of scouts, but you know, Aiden Hershuk, 
um, you know, there's a player who got off to kind of a rough start and, you know, he's starting to turn the corner there, but if Aiden Hershaw can start putting up some numbers and cutting down on turnovers, then all of a sudden maybe scouts say, okay, well, you know, he stepped up when he needed to, maybe he's worthy of, you know, that sort of top 90 pick. Um, you know, maybe he's not just a, going to be a good college player. Maybe there is something there that, uh, was sort of hyped up beforehand. And then of course, you know, some of the guys like Ty Gallagher and Ty Murchison uh, or Ethan Strachey move up a little bit and, and maybe they can get a couple more points and, and improve their draft stock. All right. And our last topic before we go to the questions, QMJHL, it sounds like there's a chance there'll be no, none of those players going to play at the U18s. What have we heard? Yeah, I mean, that's the report out of uh, RDS and Stéphane LaRue is that, um, you know, just because of the way the, the Quebec League's season has been structured, um, they might be keeping their players. And, you know, it's, it's really too bad. And if, you know, if I'm one of those players that's on sort of uh, one of the, the lesser teams, if you will, I'm, I'm pretty discouraged by this. And, you know, I, I know they want to have as close to a regular season as they can, but for scouting purposes, the world under 18s are better um, <laughs> just because it is best on best. It's hot house. You're playing with better players than usual. So you can see, you, you can make those sort of skilled elite plays and you know, they're going to be more completed than necessarily when you're back with your home club. Um, from what I'm hearing, you know, agents for players in the OHL definitely want their players at the world under 18. We still don't know when the OHL is even starting or if it will start. Yes. Um, and then the WHL I was talking to a GM the other day who said, yeah, if, if Canada wants one of my players, they can have him. Like, I know it's a great opportunity. It's okay. If they miss games with our club team, you know, this is a super important year for these kids and their window uh, to be scouted is already so small. So, you know, it looks like, it's going to be kind of an all OHL WHL team right now. I don't know if they, if they pull a couple of guys from the USHL that would be eligible uh, or even the junior a ranks, it, it, it's really hard to say at this point because so much is up in the air, but you know, if, if the, if the Quebec league kids don't go, it would be kind of a shame uh, because I think we would have seen guys like Josh Wa and uh, you know, maybe Isaac Bellavo or, you know, Zach Dean, um, you know, obviously, depending on how everything shook out with the schedule and, and whatever playoffs they, they could have had uh, or will have. Um, so, I mean, there's certainly candidates. Uh, and unfortunately, it sounds like we might not see them. That's too bad, because this is a the one thing I always say when it comes to these international tournaments. It's, you know what, at the U18 level, this might be the only time some of these guys ever get a chance to play for their country. And because uh, it's it's it gets harder to make it when you get to the U20 level because you're not just dealing with the one year age group you're dealing with quite a few players so that is that for the questions or for the the topics I want to move on to the questions and the first one we have is from James Campbell who asks is Uka Pekka Lukanen going to save the Sabers right now the Buffalo Sabers need something now he's not going to be the savior this year but this is something where uh, we've talked about before Linus Olmark is. A good goalie. I'm not convinced he's a starting goalie in, in, a, in any significant manner. Uh, they're going to need someone who's going to be that savior. And Lukanen uh, came in as this really strong goalie. The OHL was looking fantastic. And it's like, this This is going to be the guy. Some of the hype has kind of died off a little bit since he's gone to the AHL. Um, Dustin Dekarski's is kind of 
he only had a small sample size, but definitely performed a little bit better. Uh, but Tukarski is also a long time pro hockey player. He's played in the state in the, in the playoffs before in the NHL. So it's not like he's a young rookie. So do you think this is the guy that's going to be able to save the Sabres though? Well, I, I think that he certainly still has that potential and, you know, he's got a five, two and one record, uh, nine Oh four save percentage so far. And, you know, that doesn't sound great, but last year, I think he had 10 appearances and he had an eight seventy four save percentage. <laughs> so he's doing slightly better and he is still super young. Um, you know, he's a 1999 birthday. So in goaltender years, like he is still in his infancy I mean, it's crucial for Buffalo not to rush him because he has a lot of potential. He's got the size, um, you know, he's got the pedigree. You don't want to wreck him. So if he spends this year in Rochester, uh, even if he spends next year in Rochester, that's probably the best thing for him. Uh, the Sabres, I think they kind of just need to, to limp along. If, you know, they go with Allmark and then maybe they grab somebody else in the off season uh, that's a veteran, uh, just, to just sort of stabilize their crease. That's probably not the worst idea. Um, but yeah, in terms of looking in, uh, I, I still believe in him. I think it's too early to say, and I, I still like his tools. All right. Next question is from Nicholas Nelson, who asks, what type of player is Brant Clark going to be in the NHL? And he had a fantastic season over in Slovakia. and believe he made the uh, league all-star team today. So what type of player do you see Brant Clark being? Well, he's obviously going to be a very good offensively inclined defenseman. Um, you know, I think he had 15 points in 26 games for Nova Zamke. And that was a team that really had trouble scoring. Uh, so once he sort of took hold and got used to the big ice and got used to, you know, his teammates, um, you know, he really started putting up some nice numbers. Um, it's the vision. It's the big shot. It's the power play ability. Um, again, you know, I don't like comparisons. Like, you know, I don't think like Kale McCarr quite works because McCarr is more of a playmaker than he is a shooter. Um, you know, like maybe like John Carlson is a guy that's got the big shot and the power play ability. Um, but I'll just say, you know, Brant Clark, you know, he projects to be a, a top pairing defenseman that can really move the puck up the ice and, you know, he's the best prospect in the OHL this year. And I think he's going to be, you know, in that sort of uh, five to 10 range right now. I, I, I've, I still am holding on to the, the belief. I think that he's probably going to be the best prospect from this draft. I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but I'm just, this is a guy that just watching him play, even from a young age, is like, there's just something where if you unlock him, if you give him the right players to pass to, he's going to make things work. And uh, he, the one thing was uh, watching him play a couple of times uh, in Slovakia and watching him play with uh, Slater Doggett, who actually, uh, he's kind of like an unknown name, but he's from Oakville and actually grew up a few streets away from me. So that's uh, kind of cool. Um, but just watching kind of just the way that he would feed the best players on the ice. It's like, he knows what he's doing at such a young age. And he played with Shane, Wright, I believe he at minor midget, I believe he had 113 points in with the Domino's flyers, which is just unbelievable. But um, at the same time, you'll uh, maybe it's because I'm looking at a guy like Ryan Merkley and I'm still holding on for hope just because of how good he was at just the younger age. And uh, that, you know, years down the line, it's what he did at, 16 17 doesn't matter as much but i think that it was just impressive to see what he could do and i still think clark's got a lot of offensive potential you know he's not gonna be someone who's gonna throw a ton of hits around and i, I don't necessarily love him along on the boards but he's got this the offensive skill set where uh, i like watching him a lot so uh, we'll see also think 
right now, if I'm actually picking number one, I'm going Jesper Wallstead, but I don't think a goal is going to go number one. So I just think he'll be the best player. I think this is going to be almost a 2012, I believe it was when Vasilevsky got drafted, where he was like pew, clearly the star. All right. Yeah. Maddie Hartwick, our final question of the, uh, of the episode. With Rodion Amirov's season coming to an end, is the AHL a good fit for him moving forward? And what type of player do you envision him becoming? I'm assuming moving forward, we're just talking like in the near future type thing. Yeah. And, you know, his contract is over uh, in April. Um, and, you know, his, his team is done. Uh, so hypothetically, he could come over to the AHL if Toronto signs him uh, once that contract is done. Um, to me, I don't. I don't mind if it's next year, uh, you know, if you want to sort of give the kid a break or, or just have the kid sort of come over and start to get used to the North American culture. Uh, but I think it would be very good for him to play maybe a full season with the Toronto Marlies where he can get used to just the North American game. You know, it's, it's faster, it's more physical. You don't have as much time and space as you do uh, on the bigger ice surfaces and, um, you know, I know, I know the KHL doesn't necessarily play on the Olympic ice, um, but, um, you know, I, I think just getting used to the style over here will be very crucial. Uh, very bright future ahead of him because he has amazing hands. He has excellent vision. Uh, he's definitely a top six forward. You know, he's a guy that you put on line with other skill guys and you just watch them work. And I thought he was very good for Russia at the World Juniors. And, um, yeah, I think he'd be a very good AHL player probably fairly quickly. And, you know, I think Toronto has enough Russians in their system that he can kind of, um, you know, have a bit of a soft landing where, you know, there will be some guys that speak his language. And, you know, even if he's with the Marlies and they're with the Leafs or if they're all with the Marlies, um, you know, the, the two teams geographically are so close. Uh, within the city in the ranks that I think it's a, it's a pretty good matchup and um, cell phones yeah. also exist too. So, you know, there's also cell phones. <laughs> you sure. Call yeah. each other. That's pretty yeah. easy. And one, uh, one thing I must correct myself on before we go, Isaac Bellabo is actually a late O2 birthday. So he couldn't be at the under 18s this year. Uh, I quickly looked that up cause I knew it sounded fishy. Uh, but my point on the queue still stands. All right. So that's it for all of our topics today. We have an interview to wrap up the episode. Who did you talk to? We got Cole Stillinger from the Sioux Falls Stampede, uh, usually with the Medicine Hat Tigers of the WHL, but uh, being a dual citizen, uh, Stillinger obviously wanted to play more games this year. And as soon as he got to Sioux Falls, he made an impact. Uh, he's been super fun to watch. Uh, big, strong kid. Scouts are very excited about him. Uh, the son of Mike Stillinger, the, the former NHLer that had the famously long career playing for many, many teams uh, because everybody always wanted him at the trade deadline. So he was a, he was a, a guy that people wanted and Cole, uh, I suspect he'll be sort of in that, you know, 10 to 20 range this year at the draft uh, because he can put the puck in the net and he's a pretty strong physical guy. So it'll be fun to watch. And it was a fun interview. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, talking with me and all these topics and everything. Make sure to send in your topics every other, well, I guess Wednesday to be featured on this uh, podcast. It's a lot of fun answering these and enjoy the interview. 
I am joined now by Cole Sillinger of the Sioux Falls Stampede of the USHL. And uh, Cole, this has obviously been a very interesting draft year. Uh, in a normal season, you would have been in the WHL with the Medicine Hat Tigers, but you've been playing with Sioux Falls and having a lot of success. Uh, so to begin with, just curious, uh, what differences have you seen between USHL style hockey and WHL style hockey? Yeah, they're, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of two different, you no know, entire different playing styles of hockey. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's great players in both leagues and, and many draft picks that, you know, ultimately move on to play college or, or not in the National Hockey League uh, every night. So um, I think the biggest thing or one of the biggest things for me is just uh, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot more, I guess, structure kind of in the Western Hockey League. Um, there's like, in a way, there's more flow in the game. Um, I guess a little more execution, a little on uh, three on twos or two on ones and stuff like that. Um, whereas the USHL's a uh, really tough league to produce in, um, a little more chip and chase hockey and uh, tougher hockey, more grindos hockey to play. Mm, right on. <laughs> and uh, I was also kind of curious because in the USHL, it's like there is fighting, but it's like heavily discouraged in terms of suspensions and all that. Yeah. Uh, what does how does that play into just you know how you have to kind of police your own emotions in a game? Yeah, I mean, I fought this year <laughs> actually in end of January. Um, yeah, but the the rule is you have it's like a fifteen minute penalty. You got to sit in the box for fifteen minutes, and then in the Western League it's just five minutes. And then after my fight, my I took my helmet off. I had no idea, like, watching last year, guys fight. They spin their helmets after their fight or whatever. And this year, I just, like, took my helmet off. I had no idea that it was, you know, a rule, but I got to spend one game for it. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I think just with, with that 15-minute penalty, you got to tame your emotions uh, you know, a lot because, you no, know, if you're fighting, you're, you're basically done for a whole period. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on. And then off the ice, kind of curious – um Sioux Falls versus Medicine Hat obviously during the pandemic you know you have I'm sure you haven't been you know roaring around the town but uh what's it been like going from you know a a smaller Canadian city to an American city honestly it's it's pretty similar um no we're I'm in Medicine Hat to play hockey I'm here in Sioux Falls to play hockey so I uh, like, like you mentioned earlier with the COVID and, and all that, it's really just you know my billet house and, and at the rink, you know, haven't got a chance to really experience much of the city. Um, but here it's, it's different with, you know, there's a lot of fans allowed in our building, whereas uh, around like basically everywhere else in the world is, is very limited. And we have like, you know, I think we got up to just over 9,000 this year. So it, it's awesome to, to play in front of fans for sure. Right on. And uh, obviously this is a, a different year for uh, the draft as well, where, you know, most of your contact with scouts and, and NHL folks has been over video. What has that process been like for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a little different. Um, uh, honestly, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I, I wish that uh, there was like, there was no COVID because I, you know, guys like not only guys like me, but like everyone else can have the full kind of draft experience and, and see, you know, kind of just kind of take it all in and learn from, from the whole process. But um, with that being said, it's obviously not available, but uh, yeah, it's just a little different. A lot of zoom calls, 
uh, a lot of text messages over the phone and just stuff like that, but uh, it gets the job done and it works for sure. There you go. And um, one of your teammates who's also up for the draft that uh, a lot of scouts are interested in is defenseman Brent Johnson. Um, what have you seen from him and how has he uh, helped out the Stampede this year? Yeah, me and Johnny are real good buddies off the ice. He's uh, obviously a great player, but um, no, I kind of I think that all that the success he's having it is leading towards you know, what he does off the ice and, and in practices and stuff. He's a uh, no, he, he works real hard off the ice and, um, you know, does, you know, kind of works on his game, uh, you know, works on all of, all the little things, you know, he's, he's a real, real skilled player. So um, he's real creative in practice, I think, which, which leads to the games. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's having a great season. He's shooting the puck in that. He's playing good defense and he's, uh, you know, put in a lot of key situations on a team that, that ultimately, um, you know, he's, he's having success in all those positions. So it's good. Excellent. And uh, your dad is Mike Sillinger, the, uh, the former NHLer, uh, now still, still working in the game. Um, yeah. Curious if he has any great, like, old man stories for you where he says, like, in my day, we played for three NHL teams a year and we liked it. Was there anything like that when you were growing up? Uh, no, not nothing really. He's got, he's got a couple of good stories, but uh, his motto is if you want to, if you want to hear all my stories, you got to come golf with me. So I think uh, that just uh, goes to show you his, his kind of attitude, but yeah, he's, it's great. Oh, that's awesome. And finally, if there was an NHL player that you would like to model your game after, who would it be? Uh, I'd probably have to say Bo Horvat, um, just in the similarities that, um, I think he's got a you know, real knack for scoring. He can put the puck in the net. Uh, he's got real good vision. Um, he plays in the middle of the ice. He, he's a bigger guy, and, he, and he's hard to play against. And uh, he, he's hard on his feet, tough to get off, knocked off the puck. So I think that would be a guy I can see myself playing like in the National Hockey League. Sounds good. Pretty good role model right there. Cole, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast. Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to have issues of the Hockey News Magazine sent directly to your mailbox. And send your questions for future podcast episodes to at THN Ryan Kennedy on Twitter.